0: hey everyone welcome back again to a catholic and protestant walk into a podcast we're glad that you're joining us today for our next uh, special interview um so my name is ben and
1: i'm the protestant and my name is dante i am the catholic and um yeah, welcome back. Uh, we, we love our listeners, as always, um, and we have a very special uh, guest on today. Um, her name is Hannah Bevan, and uh, she's a, uh, a Butler student and also um, involved in the, the Center for Faith and Vocation, which seems to be a common theme, um, but uh, I will, I'll throw it over to her um, to talk just really briefly, quickly, about herself as well. So take it away, Hannah.
2: So as Dante already said, my name is Hannah. I am a sophomore biomedical engineering and chemistry major at Butler. I'm from Newburgh, Indiana, and I am interning at the CFE this year.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, so just kind of to, to dive right in. Um, Hannah, if you could just tell us a little bit about kind of your, your, your faith journey and what that has been like over the years as it's evolved, I guess.
2: Oh man, where to start? So um, I feel like my faith journey kind of got started from a really early age. So my grandma was a reverend and she baptized me when I was one month old. And so ever since I was really little, I have a lot of memories with her um, going to her house over the summer and I would go to vacation Bible school at her church. And then because she worked at the church, I would hang out in her office afterwards, and she had all of these little books that she would give me to read about the United Methodist Church and John Wesley. And um, afterwards, when we got home, I would like sit in her lap, and we'd go out on the porch, and I just ask her questions as many questions as I could think of, and I would try and stump her with the hardest questions I could think of. And she was just always fantastic with encouraging me to doubt and explore my faith and think about how my faith relates to other people. So that was definitely probably where it got started and I owe her a lot for that. Um, And that's kind of a common theme with my faith story. I feel like I had different people in every chapter of my life to kind of guide me along the way. So if that was the first chapter of my life, then probably middle school-ish would be my confirmation mentor and youth pastor. In um, sixth grade, at my church, I went through confirmation in the United Methodist Church, and we were paired up with mentors, and I had this really awesome mentor named Letty. And Letty and I would meet together a lot and she would just tell she would ask me about my life and we would just have conversations about how to handle like tensions between friendships and conflicts on sports teams and stuff like that that came up and what it meant to be a Christian in those encounters and how to respond to people in a loving way. So she was um, a super important influence in helping me unpack what it actually looked like to live out my faith. And at the same time, I was also going to youth group in middle school. Uh, We got a new youth pastor and her name was Emma and she was from Northern Ireland. And I thought she was really cool because she had an accent. So (laughs) um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. she also was super influential to me, especially because she put a lot of emphasis on social justice and looking at people different from yourselves and who maybe haven't had the same opportunities you have and trying to figure out how um, we respond to that and how we can lift people up wherever they're at and just make the world a more equitable and just place. So um, going into high school, I would say small groups were really central to my faith. I stayed in the same small group all throughout high school with some of my best friends um, and, I actually had two different high school small group leaders, and they balanced each other really well. It was Melissa and Teresa, and Melissa liked to focus a lot on the practical aspect of faith and like, how do we deal with tension and stress and conflict and all of those sorts of things. And Teresa loved to delve into scripture and just pick the Bible apart line by line and really dig into what it says about us and about the world and about God. So... I'm really grateful that I had both of those perspectives to kind of help guide me along the way. Um, High school is also probably where I had the biggest challenge to my faith for the first time in my life, because if you recall, I was talking about my youth pastor earlier, and um, in my, I guess would be my sophomore year of high school, she came out as gay, which upset a lot of people in my church. And they, it kind of divided my church. Some people supported her and others did not. And those who didn't support her wanted her to leave because they felt like she was, shouldn't be working with youth. And that was like a bad influence and unbiblical. And that was a really challenging time for me to go through because even though I understood where that perspective was coming from and I to me, Emma had been nothing but this like exemplary, exemplary pillar of faith, and I couldn't understand how people were saying that she was somehow unworthy to teach God to youth like myself when I felt like I had learned a lot about God um, by the way she treated everyone and by the way she focused on the needs of those around her. So that kind of started me on this process of going to all of my different faith mentors and asking them, like, what do you think about this? How do you, like, what, how do I look at the Bible when I read this and I'm not sure that I agree with it? And um, I think the other difficult part of that process was that my mentors were kind of split. I had Like two mentors who weren't okay with it and two mentors who were okay with it. And they were all important to me. And they had all shaped this concept of faith that I had. And I kind of felt this pressure, like I had to choose or pick a side. And um, I think I owe a lot to my grandma in that situation because I remember finally like calling her on the phone one day and talking to her for like three hours or something crazy. And just unpacking everything that I had been struggling with. And the most important thing she taught me in that moment was that faith is this constantly evolving thing and that it's okay to change your mind. Um, She specifically talked about how she had, like, regardless of what you believe about whether homosexuality is a sin, for her, she had thought it was a sin at one point in her life, and then the more she met people who identified as that and learned about their faith journeys, she decided that it was something out of their control and that She no longer thought of it as a sin. And so, just hearing her talk about that evolution gave me the courage to keep challenging my ideas and um, to be able to disagree with someone and still have a tremendous amount of respect for their faith and realize that we could both um, bring valuable thoughts to the conversation nonetheless. So, I guess that brings me to the end of high school. And since coming to college, I feel like the most influential thing on my faith so far has actually been interfaith work because between being on interfaith council last year and leading it this year through my role as an interfaith intern, um, I have just had the privilege of hearing so many different people's faith stories and exploring how they deal with challenges related to their beliefs. Um, And I think actually discussing these things helps me to figure out what is most true in my own United Methodist tradition and makes me feel more connected to it than I was before.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, (laughs) we, uh, well, I think the, the thing that stands out to me the most is how much you ask questions. Like you talked about that early with just, with your grandma and then all the way throughout high school and even now in college, like you're always asking questions and wanting to learn more. And so it's cool for us to even, you know, start up this conversation knowing that we're talking to someone who thinks really deeply about what they believe in, um, faith and the world. So thank you for sharing some of your story with us. Um, a question that came to mind for me is as you went through all, all all these things throughout your life and now coming to college, what do you think it is about your faith now that kind of grounds you in it, or if you are grounded in it, but like, what is, what is it about your, your faith, um, and God um, through the United Methodist Church that draws you into that, what do you appreciate about it?
2: I think I really that appreciate, question sense? yeah. Um, I think there's, there's multiple things I appreciate about it, but one thing that comes to mind is specifically is just the eternal perspective of it and the idea that whatever you're doing, whatever act of kindness or whatever way you show love to other people, none of that is ever wasted. Like it's being woven into the story bigger than myself. And I think um, when you're going through classes and stuff, it's really easy to get caught up in the assignments and tests and just kind of the pressure of it all. And I think my faith has been really important in helping me to step back and remember that people and relationships at the end of the day are ultimately um, what is most important. And so keeping that at the top of my priorities of how am I treating people and relating to people. And how do I want to take what I'm learning and what I'm studying and ultimately apply that to benefiting and helping other people? I think that is one thing I'm really appreciating in my faith right now.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I love that. Um, I think that in my experiences in small groups here at Butler, Um, I I think when I like I talk to students and ask like what's on their mind what are they struggling with like what can I pray for you for Um, I think a lot of people are like oh yeah like this assignment and like these classes and all this like overwhelming school stuff and I think that as college students it's really easy for us to fall into that and be Overwhelmed by like school and like school is God and like this is what I'm here for. I don't want to you know waste all the money that's being spent on my education. Like this is my number one priority in college is academics. Um, and while that's valid um, for sure and certainly a priority, I think that as Christians we are called to something more than that. Um, and at least for me, that's just never that's just not the top priority. Um, And like Hannah, you said, like those relationships and um, with other people and with God, um, like that should be number one. And so, yeah, I've experienced that too. Um, Trying to consistently refocus and center yourself on what's important. Like we as college students need to do that all the time um, in order to stay grounded. So I like that for sure.
2: I love how you describe it as a process, too, because that's definitely what it is. It's not a one-time thing. It's something you have to wake up every day and decide, okay, I'm doing this again today. And sometimes you maybe don't make that your priority and things get shifted around, but you reset and try again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to to ask you, I actually, well, I know that Ben... Um, kind of ask the first part of a two-part question that we do like to ask people on the podcast. Um, you just spoke a little bit about what you really appreciate about your faith. We have also been asking people what is the thing about their faith that they, that they struggle with the most, that they grapple with. Obviously, you've already brought that up um, when speaking about your faith journey, um, when you're confronted with like church teachings or teachings within your faith that that you've had a hard time reconciling yourself with. Um, Can you think of any, are there any other examples of that throughout time?
2: I feel like just, this is less specific, but an overarching one is just um, how to even approach the Bible because it's like, okay, this is the sacred text of Christianity and of my religion. And so obviously it's really important, but sometimes figuring out how I'm supposed to relate to it, is maybe less clear, particularly because the more the more I've grown in my education, and even since being at Butler, um, learning that the Bible isn't this monolithic text, it's this compilation of all of these different wisdom books, and stories, and history, and all of it fused into one. So there's this tension sometimes between approaching this book as an educated individual and trying to figure out what it means in its historical context and how the text was put together and how that, what that means for how we interpreted it. And at the same time, coming from a church environment where it's not always about the intellectual processing of it, but how you relate to it spiritually and how God speaks through this text. So... Trying to balance those things, I think, is a continual journey that I'm on, and yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's so interesting because that's been a common theme. I think that's been coming up in 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 our podcasts with people is talking about how how do we in the modern age relate to to these sacred texts um, like the Bible that were written so long ago in such a different time, like how do how do we um, approach it now? So I'm wondering, Ben, what what you think about that because it keeps coming up. Yeah,
0: definitely. As we were just talking about it with someone on our last podcast as well. Um, honestly, it probably depends on what you view the Bible to be and where it came from. So I think it just differs on that as well. Because for me personally, though, I like it. Definitely is written through uh, people through man at different points in history at different times. Like I believe it to be completely fully inspired by God. And so exactly, perfectly complete in the way that God intended it to be. And so it's, it's really like, honestly comes, stems back to our theology of God too. I think when we consider who God is, then how does that relate to what God has given us in our sacred texts? So it's, I believe that to be true in other religions, too, if you were to look at Islam, who they believe God to be will influence the way that they see their sacred texts to come to come about. And in other places, too, when we think about uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, their sacred texts are very impacted by who they see God to be. So it really goes back to theology in a lot of ways, I would think. Um, I don't know if you guys have more thoughts on that. What does it look like for the theology of, theology to impact the way that we view our sacred text. Hannah, do you have thoughts on that?
2: I would Or maybe say, you totally
0: disagree with me, <laughs> which is cool too.
2: Well, no, I was thinking about what you said about, um, like, obviously the Bible being inspired by God and being complete as it is. And for a long time, I think that's the language I would have used also and now I am at this place where like I still believe it to fully be inspired by God and I am also aware that like (laughs) the Bible was pretty much written by men and like what perspective specifically like in this moment um with all of the this is gonna make a circle but I'll get back to it so this summer you know they had a lot of like riots in different cities related to Black Lives Matter and this realization that America is not as equal perhaps as we set out to be or claim to be. So in that, there's this conversation of history books and how we teach American history in this realization that um, a lot of the history we read, we're not always being taught the perspective of people of color and that that is an important part of the narrative too that maybe we're missing. So. Now, when I go back to the Bible, that's something that occurs to me is that, oh, this doesn't really have the perspective of women in it, perhaps as much as I don't say as it should, because again, I believe that the Bible is the way it is for a reason, and it is inspired by God, and it is, I don't know, as you say, complete, but it's like it's complete, and it's still being interpreted by humans too. So for me it's not so much that like the Bible is wrong per se, it's just that we are humans and we are valuable in the way we approach it and interpret it. And so that's the part that I think should always be evolving and open to change.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. And that's like why we have so many denominations, you know, like because we interpret the Bible differently based on what we, how we read it, the context that we're in and who we learn it from, things like that impacts the way that we understand it totally. So I agree with you there, yeah, Dante. what are you thinking?
1: yeah, no, I mean i yeah, obviously this is a a complicated subject um and like Ben mentioned, I think that that is the reason why there are so many denominations of christianity um at what I mean I think yeah, what it comes down to is how you interpret God's word and interpret scripture and so a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives and opinions on on how to do so. Um, and that's why we are at where we're at. Um, but yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's like a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Um, but I think that that was also like the basis of like the great schism in the church and like the birth of Protestantism was, um, very much rooted in like the bible and um obviously it was also rooted in in abuses in the catholic church that were occurring and like the corruption of the church and pushback from that that also um was behind what like martin luther was trying to accomplish um but also yeah it, it had to do with the bible as well and and how how it should be read and interpreted and you that's where you get um, like, Protestants who believe that, like, the the sola scriptura, like, the Bible is, like, the end-all, be-all, and that is the source, and, like, that is where, like, you can, like, find what you need to know, and this is God's Word and inspired by Him, and so, like, this is what we should be going to. Um, so, it was, you know, a rebellion against the institution, I guess, and from the the hierarchy and more towards, like, all you need is the Bible, and, like, and that's God's word, and you can go off of that. So I think that that just goes all the way back um, to to the Protestant Reformation and that divide in the church. Um, but, yeah, very interesting and complicated subject, <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah, so I was saying uh, a lot of this is in regards to pursuing truth. Like, when we're thinking about the Bible, when we're thinking about um, sacred texts, where they come from, their validity, how we interpret them. It's like, what do we pursue to be true? And so I was saying, thinking that like in my own experience with interfaith work on campus, sometimes I have a tension with what the end goal is. Is it pursuing a specific certain truth that there is a truth that, we're, that is meant to be pursued or is it simply to learn from one another and our own inter- interpretations of what the world is like, what we think about faith, so I was going to, yeah, just asking, Hannah, what, what do you think in terms of what's your goal in interfaith work? What are you personally pursuing? And then what do you think people come into interfaith to pursue, to, to figure out or to do?
2: I think the beauty of interfaith work is that you get a whole bunch of people together who are all pursuing truth and are on different points along that journey and have perhaps come to different quote unquote answers. And um, it is what you say about learning from each other, because I think uh, learning about how other people have pursued and found truth helps us in our own pursuits of truth. I also think though that it goes deeper than just learning from one another because ultimately, the goal of interfaith work, at least for me, is this end of pluralism, which um, is not just to have a diversity of religious beliefs, but to actually have those people and those communities as part of one larger community. So essentially, like you can have lots of different people with different beliefs and call that diversity, but unless they're able to function together as part of a collective community while still retaining what's important to them and their individual identities, then you haven't yet reached pluralism. So I think that's at least, I don't wanna say it's like the complete goal of interfaith because that's kind of a broad thing that can mean a lot of different things. But I think that's certainly an important thing to talk about when you're talking about interfaith work is that idea of pluralism and how do we bring different people into community while still celebrating them as their individual self.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's uh, I think that's a good definition of what that is. How do, how do you think that that passion grew in you to do work like that?
2: <laughs> Honestly, I think it was rather accidental. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely like going back to my grandma, having those theological conversations with her definitely gave me a hunger to just learn about that sort of thing. And I was just fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to begin that process in high school. Um, For instance, my summer is either before or after my junior year, I attended this open table theological seminar at the University of Evansville. And the whole point was that it brought together a bunch of people of different faiths and explored the Abrahamic traditions and, the relationships between them. So specifically, we looked a lot at Christianity and Judaism and Islam, and how these sacred texts were similar and how they were different and how the beliefs were similar and different, and just exploring that um, the different understandings of God. So that was probably, maybe one of my first major introductions to interfaith, if you wanna call it that. Um, Another thing that was less, interfaith, quote-unquote, but was still uh, certainly helpful was getting to go on a pilgrimage to Northern Ireland in high school with my youth pastor and going to her hometown and meeting her parents and just traveling around. It was kind of this combination of the goal of the trip was to learn about peacemaking, so we did some historical work and some, or historical learning and a little bit of volunteer work and just some tourism stuff because, you know, you're abroad, you have to do that, And that was just so. It just made me realize how much I didn't know and how much of the world I hadn't seen. And I was like, "Oh my goodness! Like I have to learn more and I have to see more. And how can I possibly not that I can ever understand everything? But um, just how can I be satisfied with where I am if there's still so much more to learn?" So I think that naturally carried over to college when I got to Butler and learned about Interfaith Council and about the CFE and just deciding that. This is something I wanted to keep pursuing. And if anything, there was more of an opportunity to learn than ever before, because there was literally this catalyst of right there of bringing people of different traditions into one room together and having some conversations.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And then so fast forward, I guess, um, to, to Butler, and now you're, you're an interfaith intern at the at the CFV and and leading the uh, the Interfaith Council here on campus. So how has that gone? How has that um, been as its as its leader?
2: It's been amazing. Um, I just I have such a huge privilege to get to bring this group together every other week and um, watch these conversations and help plan these conversations that unfold between people of different traditions. And I, I wish, <laughs> like struggling with words right now. Um, it's, it's just incredible to, I'm surrounded by like the greatest people and to watch these friendships form and watch people debate things and disagree about things and still find this overarching sense of community and sense of truth is really inspiring. And I hope it's something that I keep getting to experience.
0: This is a little bit off topic, but I'm curious, what is your plan or hopes for your career vocation after you graduate? Huh,
2: that's a great question. I don't <laughs> actually know, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I don't I know guess-
0: either and I'm a senior, so it's okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better. I guess I have some time to decide. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. I was just curious because I think I just hearing you talk about this i'm sure like stuff like this will be present in your own in your work as you go on at least in some capacity because it seems very significant um what do you think that uh you or if the interfaith council or the Interfaith or the cfe kind of had a message that it wanted to share to but share to the butler community as a whole What do you think kind of is the main thing that you guys hope that Butler as a whole would understand about faith or interfaith work? Not that you have to speak for everyone, but what do you think is kind of like the key component that that you hope other people understand about interfaith on Butler's campus?
2: So I appreciate that you said that I can't speak for everyone because that's definitely true. I do think one thing that is important to the CFV is finding a way to welcome everyone and let everyone know they're welcome. And it sounds super simple on the surface, and yet bringing lots of different people together inevitably poses challenges sometimes because people have different ideas about um, how things should work. But I think realizing that you you don't have to have the same beliefs to have a robust community where people care about each other still um, is an important message to drive home and if there's anything that I wanted people to know about the CFE is just that everyone is welcome. You don't have to be religious or whatever to it's just a place for everyone and everyone's on their own journey and we celebrate that together and we walk and learn together and that's the beauty of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like for sure. That. Definitely. Yeah. Um, also, just out of curiosity as well, um, I get the sense that, that your grandma is um, an important figure in, in your faith. And you mentioned that she was a reverend at, at your church or it still is one, right?
2: Um, well, she retired at 72, because you have to in the United Methodist Church, but she continued doing, like, some more office-type work, just because she loved that kind of work, and couldn't be pulled away from it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just really curious about what it was like to grow up with a a grandma who was a reverend, like, that's, that's awesome. I think it's hard for, for me to imagine as someone who doesn't have any family members who, who joined the priesthood, or, or, um, or the convent, uh, so I'm just wondering what what your experiences were like with someone who um is in the clergy, I guess <laughs> in a way
2: um i don't know that I have a super um surprising answer to that because at the end of the day, she was still my grandma, and um most of the times that I was at her house were besides like the summers for vacation Bible school, the re- the other times I came for like Christmas and stuff, the whole family would be there. So most of the time, she just spent her time being a grandma and coming up with fun games for us to do and telling us stories about our parents and all of that fun stuff. But um on Sundays, getting to watch her interact with everyone else, I think that's part of just what made this really deep impression that people were always her first priority and it made me want to emulate that. Hmm. That's nice. yeah.
0: This is kind of changing courses actually quite a bit, but something that we've enjoyed talking about with people is we just recognize that, um, obviously this year has been different and we've had challenges with, um, COVID and socially, which you've mentioned a little bit as well. Um, Yeah, but I would love to hear more of like, from your own faith background and things that you hold to be true, what, um, how does that help you respond to challenges that happen around us, around you in the world? Um, How does your faith help you respond? Um, Are there truths or, or things that you hold fast to um, when things are changing, when things are, are difficult. um, Yeah. How does your faith help you respond to things like that in the world?
2: I think this actually goes back to a little bit of what I mentioned at the very beginning with um, just having a more eternal perspective and realizing that um, at least I believe that all things, regardless of whether they themselves are good, are being worked into a broader story in which good triumphs. So I think that um, faith is a source of hope whenever troubles do arise because you can fully experience the pain and the struggle and the suffering and still have joy in the midst of that because there is participatory, participatory hope for something greater that you know you're a part of.
0: That's a great answer. I would totally agree. That goes, uh, Romans 8 in the Bible says, for all things work together for good for those who love Him." So it's, you know, it's a clear message of what the Bible says, that things are working for good through God's hands, his power. So um, definitely something to hold fast to at this time in history, American history, world history. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we also wanted to ask a little bit, um, talking about challenges and adversity, um, given the pandemic and, and the way that it has affected a lot of faith communities, uh, I wanted to, to ask you how it's affected yours. Um, has it been a struggle and in what ways?
2: I would say it was definitely more of a struggle to stay connected to my community. At least like my home church, for instance. So we were virtual for a really long time and we actually stayed virtual even when a lot of people started going back because um, some of our demographic was a more vulnerable population and we wanted to be careful of that. So um, I felt really fortunate in the fact that I was involved with some of the music that they were doing. So I would still get to go in sometimes and play piano and be a part of that. Though, um, I also, it was still hard because watching church online is just not the same as being there in person.
0: Well, just kind of as we wrap up, we'd love to hear um, just any final thoughts you have for people that are listening. Um, Just what would be a message that you would want to share kind of as we close that you want people to take away or, or that you would want our listeners to be able to hear?
2: If I had a message, I think it would be, just don't be afraid to embrace the questions and embrace the doubt, and to learn from as many people as you possibly can. Don't be afraid when their beliefs and traditions differ from your own. And um, there might be tension there, but that tension doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be a catalyst of growth and an opportunity to expand yourself and actually deepen your own beliefs and convictions.
0: I love that. That's been a big thing that actually Dante and I have talked about together during our time in college. It's like, we shouldn't necessarily avoid tensions or disagreements. Sometimes we're really quick to just be like, Oh, yeah, that's really cool and avoid kind of the places that we disagree. But, um, but when we talk about those things, they really help us grow. So, Thank you so much for just joining us uh, today and thank you to all our listeners out there who are spending their time listening to our to our podcast. but we really really appreciate your time and the thoughts that you shared personally. I've been challenged just by what you said there at the end and I think a theme throughout the whole thing is just what does it look like to ask good questions of your own faith and of people those are people around you to learn more and understand so thank you. <music>